Retired Americans are everywhere along the beaches of Tijuana and Rosarito. Life can be good and easy. Real estate and cost of living are cheaper in Mexico, so it means lots of retirees can just relax and spend the rest of their days lounging in the sand. But for people like Dana Dalabetta, a no-nonsense New Yorker with a big heart, there's no time to relax. We lost, I think, 18 puppies and dogs to distemper last year that we were caring for. Because some want, we brought it into the house, and it's like wildfire. In Mexico, street dogs are everywhere, too. And like a lot of other American retirees in Mexico, Dana spotted a stray on the beach one day, and the dog stole her heart. She took him home, named him Ricky Gervais, and Ricky became one of her best buds. Then she saw another stray dog and took it home. Then another, and another, and another. The next thing she knew, she was joining the ranks of hardcore animal rescuers in Tijuana and Rosarito who've dedicated their lives to saving animals. Dana's life now is the opposite of relaxing and chill. Any thoughts of retirement are gone. The small home near the beach she shares with her sister is now a makeshift dog shelter. Chaos, poop, pee, fur, barking, whimpering, and vet trips now consume most of her days. And then some days I think I just can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's too hard. And then I just see one and I'm like, but who's going to help him? You know, I don't know. Believe me, we talk about it, animal rescue people. Like, are we insane? Because <laughs> it's really a hard life. I'm Alan Liliental, and you're listening to Only Here a KPBS podcast about the place where San Diego and Tijuana meet. This week, producer Kinsey Moreland and sound designer Emily Jankowski bring you the first in a two-part series. In this episode, they spend a day with a dog rescuer in Rosarito. Only here will you find a community of animal lovers who've dedicated their lives to keeping street dogs in Mexico from dying. More after the break. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, We've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. KPBS's Emily Jankowski and Kinsey Moreland met up with Dana Dalabetta in the huge parking lot of Costco in Tijuana. And yes, the Costco in Tijuana is almost exactly like the Costco's in the U.S., only with a bit more Mexican food. The Only Here crew spent the day shadowing Dana as she worked to save dogs from the streets of Mexico. 
So jump in. Um, we're going to have a kind of a normal day with me, which is going to be a little hectic. Dana's car smells like dog. She immediately starts apologizing for the scent when Emily and I get in. When we cross, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, just throw everything out of the way. When we cross, a lot of times I put the dogs free so that I can sound more convincing that they're mine. But of course they sh** over the place, usually. <laughs> or vomit. Yep. Yeah, it's not dogs. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. It's, no, it's fine. It's dogs are fine. Dana's life now. It's not the life she pictured when she first moved to the beach in Rosarito to potentially retire. But it's the life she ended up with. And she doesn't see things changing anytime soon. It's hell on earth for animals left to fend for themselves on the streets of Mexico. They're starving. And a lot of them are suffering from mange, parvo, distemper, or some other disease. In Tijuana and Rosarito, you can pretty much count on seeing at least a few stray dogs and cats almost every time you step outside. The push to get all animals fixed as soon as they're old enough is gaining steam in Mexico. But for years, it just wasn't happening at a large scale like it does in the U.S. And so street dogs and cats begot more street dogs and cats, which begat more street dogs and cats. And there are big gaps in the animal service provided by the city governments in Rosarito and Tijuana. The cities just can't keep up with the problem. Lots of animals, very little city services. That combination has left hundreds of dogs and cats without homes. A handful of American and Mexican rescuers have stepped up to help. And I get it. When I lived in Tijuana, I once felt so sorry for one particular street dog that I tried to put it in my car and take it home. I mean, have you ever seen a dog literally starving to death? It's heartbreaking. And it's hard to look away and do nothing. I mean... Just listen to these tiny little street puppies coughing. You okay, baby? This community of rescuers find the animals, fix them up, then cross them through the border where they're more likely to find forever homes. Technically, if the rescuers are following all the rules about crossing animals for commercial purposes, they have a few documents related to the dog's health, and they're supposed to cross through the cargo, not the passenger port of entry. But a lot of these DIYers just drive a few animals at a time through the car lanes, and most Border Patrol agents don't seem to mind. The adoption fees the rescuers charge cover some of the costs, but high vet bills mean most of the DIY operations like Dana's are barely above water. They all rely on a fleet of animal-loving volunteers and donors to help keep things going. Baja Animal Sanctuary in Rosarito is one of the longest-running and biggest animal shelters in the region. It shelters hundreds of animals at all times. But sometimes even that shelter hits capacity. And then there's nowhere for these dogs to go. That's where the smaller operations like Dana and her Tragic to Magic rescue come in. When I first moved here, which is a whole nother drama, um, and got my first dog off the beach, you know, covered in ticks and fleas and got him well. And then the second, I had no intention of keeping all these dogs. So I called them and they just said, we're at capacity. So that's the problem. 
These capacity problems happen to shelters in the U.S. too, of course, but it's nowhere near the scale of the problem in Mexico. Dana is navigating her way through the streets of downtown Tijuana. She's taking us to her home in Rosarito where she keeps some of the dogs she rescues. She's also got a set of puppies at her house who she suspects might have parvo, a serious, often deadly viral illness that mostly hits young puppies and causes symptoms like vomiting and bloody diarrhea. So we're going to pick up the pups, then head to our vet. 600 meters, sharp right. Just going to make sure I get on the scenic road. Turn right, then turn left. Okay. Yeah, so I have, oh, wait, there's a dog right there. I was going to say, I haven't seen a street dog yet, but there's one. Trust me, we will see plenty of street dogs. I always felt like the street dogs just had a different look in their eyes than other dogs. You know, like they looked the, like they had that street smart sort of independence. Right. Well, it's funny because even where I live in Rosarita, where we're going to pick up the two puppies, there's plenty of dogs on the streets, but, you know, you have to sort of gauge are they being fed because a lot of them have owners or people that are feeding them. They have collars. Right, you don't want to steal someone's Exactly, dog. <laughs> and you see posters all the time where people say they're missing their dog, but... So you don't want to steal somebody's dog, but you also don't want to leave them behind. It strikes me that Dana kind of mirrors the personality of a stereotypical street dog. She's got the same independent streak, self-determination and self-efficacy you might find in a lot of these brazen dogs. Basically, she's fierce. A year and a half ago, Dana made her dog rescuing operation official. A lawyer friend of hers helped her get nonprofit status in the United States for Tragic to Magic, so she's legit now. But her first few years of dog rescuing were more piecemeal and guerrilla style. She says she just figured things out as she went and did what she had to do to find the dog's homes. When I first started, I would just load them in the car and try to sit on a street corner or go in front of a pet store, and they're like, no, 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 you got to have the 501, you got to have insurance. So I had to get all that stuff. Now that Dana's got nonprofit status, things are a bit more official. Almost every weekend, she sets up adoption events in front of pet stores and shelters across San Diego County. Her nonprofit is 100% dependent on the border for its survival. The work she does south of the border is fully funded by people north of the border. And yes, she is fully aware of the fact that there are plenty of dogs already in San Diego in need of homes. That we're sort of exporting the problem to San Diego, which has its own set of problems. You know, there's a lot of dogs in the shelters in San Diego, so we're probably not helping. Dana recently started taking some of the dogs she finds in Rosarito to a rescue outfit in Seattle. She says people there seem willing to adopt just about any dog, even the older pits that can be harder to find homes in San Diego. She says crossing the dogs into the U.S. is just something she has to do. Not many people in Rosarito or Tijuana will pay the adoption fees that people in the U.S. pay. And the adoption fees are a big part of what keeps her rescue operation funded. The biggest costs she's trying to cover come from vet care, food, and shelter for the dozens of dogs currently in her care. Well, I use my whatever personal money I have, which isn't much. Um, I do, adoption fees are pretty high. Puppies are 350 So if I get a lot of adoptions, I do pretty well. I pay fosters, though. For some of the pups, if they're at the foster, they get paid. 
Um, I do GoFundMes and I get donations. And I'm trying to get the time to write some grants. Nice. So that has not been something I really pursued, but I need to do it. But I just did a GoFundMe for the Parvo Pups that cost $1,200. And I asked Facebook friends to contribute $10 because I have so many of them. I th- but I raised about $1,000. So, oh, there's a street dog. Oh, yeah. So this is pretty close to my house. They're everywhere. Dana never really planned on becoming a dog rescuer. She actually ended up in Mexico by accident. She says a family member convinced her to go in on some property in Rosarito, but that it was ultimately a scam. She lost a bunch of money and sort of got stuck here. And then she saw that cute dog on the beach. Dana says the hardest part of her job is keeping the dog she finds healthy and alive. Because parvo, mange, and other diseases most people in the U.S. don't hear or worry about, well, those diseases are everywhere here in Mexico. And a lot of them are super contagious. So we just had a litter that we found. Well, you'll see where we're going to go. We found, uh, we were actually asked by the family, the, the mama dog who I now have had 12 babies. She was chained up, the babies were nursing, and they wanted us to take the babies. So I said, well, they're nursing it, we have to take the mom. And they said, okay, so we took them, I had them maybe a week, and then the puppies started showing symptoms of being very sick. So sure enough, they had parvo, which is really, it's just awful. So all 12 of them, another friend of mine, Maria Franco, who's done rescue here forever, she's actually met Cesar Milan, she told me, try this vet in Tijuana. She's really good at getting them to survive. So we went there. Five survived. They just got out. They're in my house. Five at, of 12? Five of 12. But then uh, now we're in a kind of a panic because we brought... Par- I can turn this off. We brought Parvo puppies to the branch. Oh. Even though they were separate, it's so contagious, like you can get it on your shoes or the workers. We have a couple kids there that do the work for us. They maybe didn't wash their hands. Mm-hmm. So a couple more fell sick, so we've been in a real panic. And then last night when they said two of these babies, so it's another mama that I have with two babies, she had mucus in her eye, and I was like, oh, God. So I went and got him last night thinking I would rush him to the vet before 7. That was closed. But this morning, it looked like just one eye. So I think it's just an infection. And they've already had two sets of shots. So they should, shouldn't be getting sick. But they can. So we're, that's who we're going to go get, take to the vet right away. And then we're going to head south. <laughs> Dana lives in Rosarito with her sister. Their home is small and packed with dogs. Dana says a lot of these are the hard-to-adopt dogs that will likely never find a home. That's Shadow. We saw him being thrown out of a car on the highway. Oh, he's so sweet. He's a sweetheart. He, uh, we think he's an Irish wolfhound and he was too little. And he also had really bad hip dysplasia. He had surgery. And then I had him adopted, but he was returned because he doesn't like men. Dana grabs the crate filled with the parvo pups, as she calls them. Then we switch from her small, beaten-up car to a big truck. We're headed to the vet first, then a foster home in the hills of a small town nearby called Primotapia. And Dana says we're going to need the four-wheel drive. 
aside from, you know, keeping a bunch of animals alive, there are a whole lot of little things that go into running an effective rescue and adoption nonprofit on your own. And many of those things require the time and generosity of others. George? Can I stop by right now and pick up the disc? Uh, you can stop by, but I haven't got to finish yet, but I can do it in short order. Oh, oh, that's okay. It's no rush. I'll stop by later. I'm, 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 I have to get to the vet. Oh, okay. Okay. Thank you, though. So George is a friend of mine who lives in San Antonio, and he's really good at graphics, and he's making me a poster for adoption events. Oh, nice. So I was going to stop by and get it. Dana is constantly on the hunt for donations, food and things like newspaper for the puppies to pee and poop on. So before we go to the vet, she makes a quick stop. We're gonna, I'm gonna run in here and just get some newspaper. Uh, there's a guy in town, all he does, I don't know where he gets it, he gets stacks of these newspapers and gives them to all the animal people. And they always have some, so for, instead of pee pads. So I'll be right back. So yeah, a lot of people do a lot of different things. The animal people she's talking about, by the way, are a loose network of folks, mostly women, who, like her, saw the animal situation in Mexico and just couldn't help but help. These dog-loving ladies could just be chilling with the rest of the retirees in and around Rosarito. But nope. Yeah, just play cards all day. And I kind of had thought about that, but it's kind of not me to just do nothing. I don't know. I mean, it is fun to play the car, play the cards, and I do go occasionally. And Wednesday is happy hour with the ladies, which of course there's hardly any men. The men all die off. <laughs> it's all ladies. And no, they're fun. They're really great. And a lot of them will volunteer to transport, or they'll donate money, or they'll do they do fundraisers. They like to do their little fundraisers for different causes. There's a lot of people doing a lot down here. You know, um, Friends of the Library for the children, Hearts of Baja the, for the orphanages. So a lot of them do get involved. We get to the vets. It's a nice, clean little place on the main street of downtown Rosarito. Dana sees the doctor and gets right into it. Yeah, so you know we had Parvo at the ranch? Uh-huh. Well, these guys, this is the Colorado guys. This is Younger and Durango. They've had the two shots, but the, the, little, one? the little one has a mucus in the eye. Okay. They saw blood in the stool. But this morning the stools look great and they're eating. Okay, so um, you have since when? Uh, well, they were at the ranch and then they came to my house last night. Okay. The vet doesn't think the puppies have parvo. He takes their temperature, but doesn't want to test them for it right now because they just had their vaccinations, which could result in a false positive. So they're healthy, these are no... No fever. Oh, good. So this time, it's good news. At least for now. Dana puts the puppies back in the carrier, and we all load back into the truck. Because Dana has experienced so many diagnoses like parvo or distemper, she's become a bit numb to those moments when the vet delivers the really bad news. You know, I hate to admit it, but it, the first time, a couple times it happened, I was devastated. And now I'm a little more used to it. Um, 
so you just kind of expect it a little bit but yeah it's terrible it's just terrible Dana's intense love for animals started growing years ago, back when she was living in New York. She got cancer, and her friends bought her two kittens to keep her company. She says something inside of her changed from the moments the cats came into her life. It was like a chamber in my heart opened up. And, I, and then I became like a fanatic with animals. I was constantly doing things online, and then I would go to my first anti-fur demo. And then somebody invited me to a film called The, the Witness. Um, and I learned more and more about animal testing and factory farming. I became vegan, so did the whole thing. And uh, and I really, really, I, I just feel sorry for them. You know, they're like innocent. And so I know sometimes I see them, I just think, oh God. And then some days I think I just can't do this anymore. I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. It's too hard. And then I just see one, and I'm like, but who's going to help him? You know, I don't know. Believe me, we talk about it, animal rescue people. Like, are we insane? Because <laughs> it's really a hard life. I mean, it's never enough money, never enough time, a lot of stress. But then you do get those pictures of that dog that you got adopted. Um, you know, that somebody loves it and it's living a great life. And it's like, you know, that's what makes it worth it. That's all we have time for this week. In part two coming out in two weeks, we'll meet more women like Dana who've dedicated their lives to saving animals. Plus, we follow the dogs across the border from Mexico to San Diego, where they meet their new owners at an adoption event. Only Here is a KPBS podcast hosted by me, Alan Lilienthal. It was written and produced by Kinsey Moreland. Emily Jankowski is the Director of Sound Design. Lisa Morissette is Operations Manager, and John Decker is the Director of Programming. If you liked this episode, if it moved you in any way, please consider supporting the show by becoming a KPBS member online at kpbs.org. Thank you. KPBS On Demand is supported by Under the Sun Foundation, presenting the Candlewood Arts Festival in Borrego Springs, featuring temporary public art projects that engage community and place. March 23rd. More at candlewoodartsfestival.org.